Today's guest on If You're Happy Do You Know It is Ed Hume. He's a director of theatre and many other things in his life. Um, He's a happy guy, I think, but we shall find out. If you happen to enjoy this episode, this podcast, this very experience, we would absolutely love it if you could subscribe, if you could leave us a review wherever you're getting your podcasts from, and if you could share and tell the world that you're listening to this lovely, happy podcast. Thank you. I've got to do now is that thing of not like when someone says action yeah well there there is no action is there there is no action but this is here yeah but we've started already now I'm tense don't be tense oh look it's red you have a boner Uh, welcome to the podcast arena Ed this is the arena you're in it this podcast as you know because you're a big fan (laughs) Is called If You're Happy, Do You Know It? Do you? I I know it when I'm happy, yeah. Do you? What would you call happiness? Um Oh God, start with the tough questions. It is the the <clears throat> whole thing's a tough question. And the question is is it definable? And if it is, how do you define it? And that's kind of the answer as well, because it's incredibly subjective. Yeah, but I mean, because of what you just said, it feels like it's it's so subjective. Is it is it any use that anyone hears how I define it, other than me? Yeah. Okay. Um. I think it's a preoccupation of the modern age more than maybe we care to let on. I think the the older I get, the more I I understand what it means to me, and I understand. When I was <clears throat> when I was about seventeen, I read something to do with Buddhism. I don't know what. Um, I went to the Buddhist Centre in Manchester, and uh, and just thought, this is brilliant. This is like what my what I've always kind of thought about the world, about how to kind of be truly happy to get rid of this the the, the idea of craving, <clears throat> craving things, wanting things. Mm-hmm. Get rid of that, and um, and that is the source of kind of suffering, and lots of the bits and pieces within that that I that I agreed with, or agreed with isn't right. I already thought them before I'd brought it up. I went, oh well, this is just something that makes sense to me, and learning more of, of that. And I actually think that I then I learned all that, I understood it, I found. I didn't find a religion at all, but I I kind of found this group of people that that agreed with the same kind of principles in effect and got really involved in that for about a year and then I went to uni and just went the other way and spent years going the other way and and eventually going I want to go to drama school and be an actor so deep down somewhere it's without question somewhere in me is going because I want to be famous because I want people to recognize me when (laughs) I walk down the road because that's what will make me happy Um, and then I think my this is about to get dark really quick great 
Great. Um, then I... I live in the dark. <laughs> then. I know, you guys do here. I think if you live in the dark, you can only then truly know the light. I thought it was to do with uh, colour. It is. Colours on the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was talking metaphorically. Oh, uh, well, I was talking yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, but I think just so just before I left drama school, mm. which is the moment when you are being unleashed into the world and you think naively that you'll walk out of drama school and walk into being the next big film star. Yeah, there's um, they put a red carpet on the way out, they don't do, they? Yeah. They do. Yeah. With it, and it's just, you keep going and there's just a cliff at the end of it, just <laughs> yeah. drapes yeah. over. Fucking lemons yeah. flying off it. And there's just bodies at the bottom. Um, the, the, but what happened to me was the year, um, my final year of drama school, it's quite, the day we got cast in our like, end of year, so it was the end of the second year, the day we got cast in our plays for the third year, I found out that morning that my dad had cancer. And then that summer I found out his prognosis was a year. I did my final year of drama school with him being ill. I finished my very last performance on a Saturday night and he died on the Monday. And that, I think, in a way, has completely changed how I... I mean, I assume it has because I only have one experience of me. But I... I think it's comparing it to other people that I knew at the time. It's completely changed. I could have gone a very different way, mm-hmm. but I kind of went into the world going, "Hey, I'm alive," and and I, there's more to life than this. I think losing right. someone that dear, you straight away go, "There's more to life than just wanting this," you know, w- wanting acclaim and approval and. From who? From, like, what is being famous? It's like... So, um... So I don't know, I kind of uh, wandered there. No, no, that's exactly... It's down there. So, exactly... That's kind of... Uh, what an amazing... It's almost a gift, in a way, from your dad, I guess, is that it is... Uh, it's a strange thing that at that exact time in your life it was almost a gift of... Perhaps freedom from what can be quite not dangerous, but maybe quite destructive goal setting in a way. Um, Goals that aren't really tangible or something. I think there's an interesting thing about goal setting that I think is very bad for you, for your happiness, perhaps. Yeah. Um, Or if you base your belief knowledge whatever about life as a series of random chaotic events that you don't really have any control over um setting goals can be quite damaging to that to your happiness um because you can have ambition but to say i must do this and then through no fault of your own and forces that are not under your control, you don't do that. Is the is the cliff edge just too steep? Hmm. Um, and I don't know, it sounds like you kind of had a, a deep epiphany where you kind of had these these goals that were not unrealistic, but not realistic either. They're just... It's in a world of chaos. They are 
up to chance and you went, don't need them. Is that right? Yeah, no. I think I think it also probably went so <clears throat> it had its pros and cons in that in its pros it was I wouldn't get angry about not getting auditions, not getting jobs. I would but at the same time maybe I lacked a certain maybe I do actually as a person lack this, but I certainly lacked a certain element of being cutthroat and being mm-hmm. the people I know that have been successful or have managed who who've been successful without being lucky have managed mm-hmm. to that sounds like a really bitchy thing I just said but um have managed to get there through a bit of walking over other people's bodies I think naming no names but the but there is an element of that and I'm not the kind of person that would have done that or I wouldn't even go you know I quite happily go Oh, you know, it will. The cream will rise to the top eventually. Yeah. Even when I'm seventy, eventually something will will pan out for me. Uh-huh. But you know, we, we, before we started recording this, we were talking about the fact that I finally felt this year after being working as a on and off as a director of theatre for the last seven years. I only this year had a moment where I went, I'm actually quite good at this job. And only now feel like I can walk into a room of people that I don't know and go, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm doing and I can do it. And I'll do it. If you let me, I will do it well. And mm-hmm. I will do it. I will do it better than the other people you could have got to do this job or do it better than that person that maybe you're talking to as well about doing this job. Yeah. Um, and I never, ever had that as an actor. And I've never had that as a director before until this year. It kind of hit me. But a big part of that is about going, if I don't kind of have that attitude, I just won't... Not that I won't be successful, I w- because what is success? But I I won't be... Do, I'll never reach my potential. And that int- my, reaching my potential interests me more than maybe being famous or being a success in the eyes of people I don't know. I was talking to my fiancé now, talking to my fiancé recently about, because we were quite, both of us are really into sport, and she really, because of the kind of, because she's like a really nice person, she loves it when we watch a documentary or we watch like a live sporting event, like a marathon or something like that. She loves watching all the people coming in after like kind of four, five, six hours and like yeah. really trying really hard. And she said to me, isn't it brilliant? Oh, it really like warms my heart, almost makes me tears up, tear up when you hear these stories. Mm. Does, don't you love that? And I went, no, I don't. <laughs> and she went, what, what do you mean? <laughs> no. I went, no, I love watching the people who are the absolute, uh, the absolute pinnacle of the sport. Right. Okay. I love watching the people that have put everything they possibly can into being the best they can be at something. I watch. I go out my way to watch any sport, and it's weirdly, it is sport especially, but people that really are putting their all into into everything mm. and have reached the pinnacle of what they do. That really excites me. Um, I'm not massively interested in the the people that come in after, you know, seven hours. Not saying they haven't done anything good. The, these people have actually done incredible things, but it, for some reason it doesn't touch me. And I think for myself, what I see that I have incredibly high expectations on myself. Mm-hmm. But, but those expectations, I think, are 
realistic and if I do commit to what I'm doing, I'll reach them. And and that all that will make me happy in a professional sense. That's sure. interesting. That'll help me out. In a professional sense. Yeah. So other guests on here have discussed a clear demarcation between professional happiness and personal happiness. Uh, I'm not sure I'd agree with that. I'm not sure that there's that you can compartmentalize. Although some people can, I guess. But um, how do you look at that? Do you do you feel like there's there is one and there's the other, and they don't necessarily one doesn't feed into the other? No, I think you're you're, you're clearly in denial if you think that they don't feed into each other. You're you don't want them to because they are gonna because if you say that they have nothing to do with each other you are then saying that i can be as happy as i want in my personal life and it will and my professional life will never affect it and i'll be absolutely fine full well known of course it does of course mm. it does you just don't want it to yeah. um you know i i'm happier now than i've ever been in my personal life and um weirdly what that has done has made me focus more on my professional life and right, has made yeah. me go, okay, you've got to do... It's a bit like you've got this part of your life sorted yeah, <laughs> and it works and you've met someone who you adore and who adores you. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. and Oh, your fiancé. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, weird, it's weird though, isn't it? Cause... Not me. Okay. No. Because we met years ago. I wondered why you'd taken your clothes off though, but that's... Um, it's warm in here. Yeah. I know you're chilly, but, you know, I'm yeah. quite a hairy guy. Mm. I saw the hairiest man in the gym yesterday I've oh, ever yeah. seen in my life. And I thought, that, that I looked at him and went, that must take a lot of guy effort. Brushing. Yeah. <laughs> he literally was like a, a hound. Um, what was I saying? Uh, you met someone who makes oh, yeah. you ha very, very happy. <clears throat> yeah. I met someone who's made me very happy and it actually makes me then focus more on my uh, professional um my kind of yeah my pro yeah. my professional world and I want to um be the best I can be at that because I think they feed into each other if I'm happy in this part of my life I can be I can that can feed into my professional world and if my professional world picks up it's only going to make my home life even better mm -hmm. I think these you know as long as you have a healthy balance um between these things but um I definitely think that they they are they are one in the same um they weave in and out of each other how can they not i don't it's, it's your life it's your yeah i guess th i i would agree with that completely um i think you're probably right but you're quite shrewd in that observation of you separate them because you don't want one to to affect the other i guess but i think you're right there's a danger, not a danger, but there's something to be aware of that, you know, you, me, uh, a lot of people that I'm going to talk to on this podcast, just through the nature of the people that I know perhaps are pursuing a career that in something that they're very passionate about, um, which is great. But, you know, there's an awful lot of people out there who have a job that they're not passionate about, not interested in. It's a means to an end. And I suppose... It's hard because that's not my experience. Um, so I, I feel like I'm not qualified to talk about it in that much depth. But I guess 
people in that situation would say, well, I have to delineate because I do not want the professional discontent to feed into when I go home and I love my kids and my house and my partner or whatever it is and I love the hobbies that I have on the weekend and I love seeing friends on a Friday night or whatever that might be. So actually there is almost like a a happiness to be gained from saying the two are not connected for some people. Um, yeah, but it's, I feel like it's, it's, you're, that's, you may be shit. right. It's not true. But we're probably in a privileged position to be able to say that. Um, so there, there's an allowance to be said, well, look, you know, if someone is feels like they may be stuck professionally in a job, but that doesn't necessarily mean they feel unhappy when they leave that job for the day and that they have been able to compartmentalise. You probably don't because when you leave the job for the day, you probably it's probably on your mind because you're more invested in it emotionally anyway. So if, it, if the job were to make you unhappy, there's no... There's no boundary, you know? I think that, you know, but I also think that's person specific as yeah, much yeah. as it is like job specific. I think that the, I am the kind of person that doing any old job, whatever my experience in work that day, I will bring it home with me in the same way that mm. a lot of people I know that don't work in kind of arts, kind of in an arts kind of field, mm. um, they work in very professional crazy jobs where they're expected to be picking up emails in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. work you know i know someone recently was told in a review that they had that they had to um you know you can't turn your phone off at night. <laughs> you can't say you must mm-hmm. be on call 24 hours a day they're paid a lot of money but there is a lot is expected mm-hmm. they are from what i can tell not when you kind of ask them do you like your job does it make you happy the reply comes it's a very confused reply. It's a very kind of, I like the prestige of saying I work for this company. Yeah. I like the money. I like yeah. the, and I have an interesting, we'll talk about that in a minute if you want, but my, I think my upbringing plays a massive role in this. But yeah, I like the money. I like the prestige. Um, the actual work that these people do day on, day, day in, day out, sorry, is not, from what I can tell, talking to him, not that fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, I earned last year, so I just did my tax return. I earned last year um, <laughs> very little money. Mm-hmm. Like I think I would have earned more if I would if I was earning minimum wage and working kind of thirty five to forty hours a week. I think I would have earned more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am, yeah, I probably earned like a one sixth maybe of what these people are earning mm-hmm. I can say without question that I am happier mm-hmm. than they are and yeah. in, in my professional world in my you know yeah. I, I and, and it doesn't bleed into my uh, the, the, the there is no negative kind of bleeding into my personal life because there's just nothing negative there at the moment it's all I get frustrated at how difficult it is sometimes and yeah there's odd moments where I complain about how something's so unfair but I'm not I don't come home 
the everyday really upset that I've got myself trapped in a in a profession that I hate. I come home going, oh, I wish I could earn more money. <laughs> um, but that's but even that I barely do that, and that's because of my upbringing. But the yeah. the it's a very um, it's a really interesting phenomenon. The amount of people that I know that are in these incredibly high paid jobs who you know, buy these really expensive houses where they can just afford just afford the mortgage and they kind of get themselves in these positions where I think you, you they, these people to me, they feel, they seem trapped. And look, this sounds incredibly judgmental. I'm not them. I don't have their experience. They might be, they might be perfectly content. But I would say that I'm a pretty good judge of character and I don't think these people are content. I think that there is a there is something driving them to do what they do that isn't actually quite honest mm-hmm. uh, within them. And um, and at least at least I know that what I'm doing, I'm doing it honestly, even if it is quite frankly ridiculous at times. <laughs> um, and yeah. that I sometimes, you know, I'm really lucky that I've. So we talk about, I was talking about my dad dying. If my dad hadn't have passed away, I wouldn't be in a financial position that I'm in now and I probably wouldn't have been able to do what I do now, right. which is really weird yeah, to think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd much rather have a dad than a flat in London. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, without question. Yeah. But it'd be really fascinating to see if I would be set in the same position today Um if I'd be, you know, if I would have jumped ship, or if it would have made me work harder because I didn't have, like, something to rely on in that sense financially. There's loads of kind of what-ifs that yeah. happened. Um, and you can't control them anyway. No, so. you can't control them, no. Um, tell me about, tell me a little bit about your upbringing then. You've alluded to some things there, but yeah. where, who are you? What <clears throat> is your parentage? My parentage. I found out not that long ago that my great great uncle killed a cop. Found that out. Whoa. He, and he was chased across the moors up north and found and executed. Oh. Hung. Wow. Yorkshire style. I'm not from Yorkshire. I'm from Oldham. Greatest town in that. Why? Um, why? Subway. Uh, cotton, cotton capital of the world during the Industrial Revolution, yeah. Oldham. Home of the first test tube baby. What? And okay. tubular bandage. Get in. Wow. Best football team in Oldham. Oldham Athletic. Um, yeah, there's loads of great things in Oldham. Subway? You got a Subway in there? Uh, the shop or an underground system? The shop. Yes. Sandwich shop. Yeah. Well, there we've got the Metrolink now. We've, had, we've got the Metrolink coming up from Greater Manchester, so that's good. Wow. Although there was, there's been several quite violent crimes at the Metrolink station in Oldham recently that have made the news. Um, but that's where I'm from. And but no, so my, <clears throat> so me and my best friend, we talk about this a lot. So my best friend, um, he is from, um, he lives in Oldham, but he's via. Well, I don't. Huh? I don't. I live about a mile away. We talk. Yeah. No. 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 My other best friend. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure you can have two best, but go on. Just slip of the tongue. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, well, he's from... Uh, I mean, this could be you as well. I don't know. I don't yeah. know your parentage, but he's from Iraq. Right. Yeah. My, yeah. Yeah. my parents are not from Iraq. No. Um, via They're kind of two Oldham, via Grimsby on the way. Um, and his upbringing was obviously very different from mine. And I grew up incredibly... We, we weren't really wealthy family at all my parents worked really hard uh to earn as little as they did and you know my they 
I think really protected me and my brother um, from all that. I think it was hard for, especially my mum, and we were just oblivious to it. We never wanted for anything, but we never had everything. We just never wanted for anything. So yeah. money, a bit like my, my dad was, I also got this from my dad a bit because he never knew how much money was in the bank account. Like my mum found it hilarious. My mum's like a, an accountant, you right. know, she's not, she's a nurse. But I mean, like she's, she right, knows, okay, yeah. she's so on it. The only thing my dad ever knew or cared about was, was there a 10 or a 20 pound note in her purse on a Friday so he could go to the pub? That was it. Like, yeah. otherwise he never knew how much money there was. And me and my brother are both like that now. Um, and we, and I've grown up kind of not really caring about money, but not not caring about, no, not, not caring about money, not caring about the, how much things cost. And okay. I mean this in a, I don't spend a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. So I don't care if you've, got a fast car i don't care if you've got the bling i don't mm -hmm. care about the expensive thing and i i feel quite grateful for that because my mum taught me the value of things is way more than than the the price mm -hmm. the price tag that we put on them um and whereas my best friend and he won't have any because we've talked about this openly so if he ever listens to this he won't have any uh, arguments against it but he's he's a really like he's he works so hard in school he's a doctor now he's like a an A&E on a consultancy pathway in an A&E up north and he's you know earning good money but he grew up with very little mm -hmm. um, he was a single parent family they didn't have a lot and now he loves to buy shiny things yeah, <laughs> like yeah. he loves that and we are really different in that. and I make fun of him for it and he makes fun of me for it and it's it's a real kind of different way of looking at the world but he you know he earns a hell of a lot more money than I do and I earn nothing but I don't spend anything and I I am I feel privileged that I was brought up that way. But I again at the same time I think is there a double edged sword there that I sometimes don't maybe I haven't had to try hard enough to get you know things have yeah. fallen in my lap a little bit and maybe if they hadn't maybe I'd have worked a bit harder to to get somewhere. Mm. Um I don't know. I think it's kind of an interesting thing. He worked super hard to get where he got to. I was, I did well in school, uh, but I kind of gave up at A level and didn't. But I guess if he sees the value in material wealth, it's a more, it's an easily definable. Like I'm working for this thing because I want to have nice things, right? Mm. So that's kind of his means to an end. Whereas it feels like maybe you're your end is is to do the thing really well rather than what it will buy you. Which to me actually sounds like what I think is, is probably a common trait for happy people is kind of living in the moment a bit more. Mm. Um, and it sounds to me like your dad maybe was someone who lived in the moment a bit more. If he was like, what you've said is like, is there a 10 or 20 quid in my wallet now, because I'm going to the pub now, mm. where I'm happy having a drink with some friends or whatever. Mm. So, like, was a. I feel like there's a lot to be said for people who can truly live in the moment, not define their behaviour by learned things from the past, but also not define what they're going to do based on some future outcome, which is kind of my point about setting goals, maybe, is... Um, can lead to unhappiness, can lead to 
excessive happiness. If you set goals and you achieve them all, you'd be like, oh my God, I'm incredible. I achieve all my goals. I set these goals and then I get them. And look how happy I am with doing that. But there will, I imagine inevitably, there will be one where you don't. Yeah, and that's true because it's the, the roll of the dice. You can't always. And that will disappoint it. you. It's like yeah, when, yeah. so when you're working with an actor, especially student actors, there's, you have to instill in them this idea that there's no such thing as getting it right. Mm. Like you can't get it right. You can't, don't put a finish line up for yourself of like, this is what it has to be and then it will be perfect. There's no version of mm. what you're doing that can be that. And I think that you have to, you know, you've got to take that into, if you set that kind of goal for yourself, you'll never achieve it mm. because what, especially in this job, it's like, what is right? <laughs> Everyone yeah. has an opinion. Everyone's opinion is valid and correct and you can only do in that one moment you can just do the job that you need to do and I think in my life the one thing that I did I, I think I do do slightly is I kind of create like a negative goal in that I would go so another thing I got from my parents they both mainly my dad like my dad hated his job like he he was a civil engineer for Great Manchester Waste Disposal it's as cool a job as it sounds and uh <laughs> He, he he didn't mind like the kind of design stuffy bits and pieces he had to do now and again, but he really didn't like the job and he mm. really didn't like where he had to work and he he didn't get paid very much money and well he got paid okay I think but he was just I asked him once when I I did a degree before I went to drama school in something completely different and um, he when I decided to go to drama school, I remember having to speak to my parents about it. I go, by the way, I'm thinking of leaving this degree and going mm. and doing this. And they were like, oh, what the hell are you doing? And with my dad, it was weirdly easier to convince him that it was the right thing to do. Because I said to him, dad, I know you don't like your job. What would you have done if you could have done anything? Mm. Never asked him that before. You and manipulative little bastard. Yeah, yeah but, but also, yeah. But I'm, yeah, I, knew, I knew I was on onto something. Yeah. And, I said, and, and he said, he paused and he thought, and he went... I'd probably have been captain of a ship. <laughs> I went, oh, wow. what? Where's that come from? Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't even know that was in there. And he went, yeah, I think I'd really have enjoyed that. I went, wow. How do I not know that about you for a start? Mm. Like, where have you been hiding that? And what, what do I have to do going forward that I never have to... That, that never has to be a secret from anyone. Yeah, what I've got yeah. to do is go, I, 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 I'm going to set a, kind of negative goal. My negative goal is I'm not going to end up doing a job where I am that, where, that does not fulfill me, um, whatever fulfillment means for me. Mm. I'm not going to end up doing that. So no matter what I do, even if I'm earning no money, I, you know, I'm happy kind of doing it. I think that is a bit romantic and has its limitations in a capitalist society. But it's... It, it is, I think it, for growing up and being like a 20-year-old, a it was a pretty good yardstick. And, yeah. um, and I think that now I'm, I've made that commitment that I'm going to make this work for myself in one way or another. Um, and that's thanks, I think, to what my parents did growing up. My mum kind of did like a job, but worked so, so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, so hard that I think to her to her own personal 
kind of detriment actually and and I think she my mum's my hero like her story is phenomenal and the way that her and my grandma really did they they found the happiness in their lives actually in this mm. incredible way out of like kind of a darkness <laughs> um they they're incredible people and real inspirations and and uh again those I think those two people and the upbringing that I had and my dad's kind of all shapes you, doesn't it? But I've got these quite set negative goals about what unhappiness might be. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? I'm trying to. I'm weaving. My, I've not thought about this, so I'm kind of weaving my way that's, through it all. I, I think that's what I like about the topic is that it's not something you. Most people probably don't sit and think about it, um, but once you do, you kind of. I don't know. You do weave a little bit. I like that. I like mm. that you're kind of trying to work it out. And and there's there's a huge contradiction in it mm. a lot of times as well. I feel I think you can sit and think, right, am I happy and why? And you can probably come up for reason, with reasons why you think you are. And then you think about it even deeper and you go, actually, no, those things are not the true reason why I'm happy. And maybe there's other things and those are making me unhappy or whatever. So I think that's that's kind of why I was really interested in the discussion as well because it does make you kind of weave around a little bit and try and work out what it even means. And what you've said that's quite interesting there, I think, is that happiness maybe to you is a lack of unhappiness. <laughs> it's almost like... Um, and I, th I think there are origins in the language that happiness comes from contentment which these days I think we've separated the two. Contentment is just even keel, maybe. It's what we might think of it as. And happiness is something, elation on top of that. Whereas what you've kind of said there is like, you work out what would be unhappy and then, you do, and then it's not that. But that doesn't necessarily define what happy is, but it defines what it's not. So what makes you unhappy um, what makes me unhappy? Um, I think that's quite a hard question to answer. I think... It, I think seeing people... I think seeing people not exploring themselves or the world exploring themselves it sounds a bit erotic mm. that but like I don't mean it like that. I mean like I know and a lot of people do know this know have experience of like friend, say okay a friend who has grown up and you know moved into a house down the road from where they grew up and married the girl next door and goes on a package holiday every year I see that and I think god I'm that seems so banal. It seems so like there's where's the intrigue? Where's the exploration? Where's the kind of the search for kind of <laughs> your own existence, your own place in the world? And it, it also, I you know, it's total horseshit for me to sit there and judge someone else's life when I they might be perfectly content and happy. Mm. They might be. They might be, love what they're doing. Um, but I think when I look at people's lives like that, I go, that that would make me stale and that would make me feel like I've not pushed the boundaries of who I am and what I can do. And part of that 
is just about understanding myself better and understanding um, who I am and my place in this world. I don't think I'll ever fully understand it, but at least if I'm kind of exploring it, that I'll know that I've kind of done a... Sorry, I'm finding it hard to construct sentences all of a sudden, but the, which isn't good for a podcast. Um, I'm doing some pretty epic hand movements at the moment. So oh, yeah. That I makes mean, up for it. If, guys, if you could see this. Yeah. It's so like interpreter's dance. Yeah. There's uh, a small band of penguins has just walked in. It's great. Um, I, I, supp- I suppose that I look at other people's lives and go, it sounds so bad. I look at other people's lives and go, that, they must be really unhappy. No. What I do, I look at other people and go, that's not the existence I want. I can learn from that and, and kind of move on. You know, that's not... You look at people that are angry at the world all the time. I just mm. can't... I, I just think, why are you in that place? Yeah. You know, I think we're really in that place at the moment where everyone is looking to be the next person who's offended by something. Yeah, we've yeah. we have we have lurched into this far right and far left kind of game of tennis where it's like I'm the most offended by this thing, and I know I'm the most offended. Like you can't say that, you can't say this. Rather than people actually just sitting down and having a conversation and stuff like that, I just go, why does anybody want to live like that? Why can't we just? Why can't we just? not get along, but why can't we just actually have a rational conversation about mm. the things that are going on? I think I see things like that and I go, I, I, I just need to, I don't want to be like that. I suppose that is something, I suppose. Yeah, that's all right. I don't think, I totally get what you're saying. You're saying, yeah, it, it's a really tricky thing to own up to, to say, oh, I don't want to be like that person. But there's nothing wrong with that because what you're saying is, their life is not worse or better. It's just not the one that would bring you happiness. Yeah. So in that sense, you've identified the things that wouldn't be working for you. Yeah. So then vice versa, you go, all right, so what does? Um, and it sounds to me that what does make you a happy person is striving hard to be good at the thing you care about being, right? Yeah, and those things are a vast array of things. It's not just my, uh, it isn't just my work. It's my, it's being a friend. Like my friends and my friendship group is super important to me. I think someone said it to me years ago. He asked me what, we were talking about passions. Uh, His passion is like being a, at the time was like, it still is it's like being a restaurateur and a barman and like mm. it really is like his obsession mm. and now he's a very very successful person and owns a couple of restaurants and a very successful bar and he was the UK's best bartender back in 2014 that's your friend Chris Nando right Chris Nando yeah the, the restaurateur no? the rest- oh <laughs> very good um, ah! <laughs> uh, John the, McDonald John McDonald yeah wait no isn't that the <laughs> that's Trevor McDonald no, isn't that the, 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 the vice... No, the shadow chancellor. Is it? John McDonnell. John McDonnell. The shadow uh, chancellor. No, the shadow chancellor of the exchequer. Um, the, well, uh, no, yeah, and he's, we were talking about passion, and I said to him, what do you think my passion is? Because at the time I had no idea what it was. Oh, yeah. I was just in a kind of state of, I'd finished uni and my first degree and 
I was about to go to drama school, but at the same time, I didn't, you know, I hadn't really started it yet. And I said, what do you think my passion is? And he was kind of my best friend, one of my best friends at the time. And, and, he, and he said, I think it's your friends. Oh, yeah, and I thought, I think you're right. I think it is my friends. And I, you know, my, my friends mean a hell of a lot to me. And as they do to anyone, I, I, I think that there is a, there's a certain place in my heart and my existence for developing good friendships and honesty and there's something about it that that I find truly fulfilling and that really really you know we've uh, my one group of friends that I have a specific very close group of friends of mine you know we've had people commenting how in, how amazing a group it sounds weird how amazing a group of friends we are mm. essentially and i think that's quite telling that we have this incredible amount of openness and honesty it helps that we all most of us went to drama school together where you have to kind of have an incredible amount of trust mm. um, it, but built it's from like intenso camp yeah yeah and... <clears throat> you've got to you got to know that you can bear all in front of someone else and that they yeah. won't judge you for it and i think when you've you know uh, i think that that's like invaluable and my Friends are a super kind of passion of mine. My work is obviously super passionate. But, and this is going to sound super cheesy. I love cheese. Um, but love is as well. Like finding yeah. someone, you know, I've had my heart broken. Um, and then I met, you know, someone who, who I never thought I could... F- she put it better than me, actually, about me, but I'm totally robbing it off her. Like, she ticks boxes I didn't know I had. Like, oh, you know, I, yeah. yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and she does. And I do for her, apparently. She said it. Um, it's, it's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. I once said to someone that I know that if I was in love with the right person nothing else would matter. I could live in a bush in a park with them and it just wouldn't matter because mm. that's the most important thing I think at the time I was probably being a little bit little bit silly but there's an tr- element of truth in that for me and I think having that part of my life it's not sorted because I think all these things are they're organic and they move and they change all the time and you've got to you've got to adapt and go with them but you know it's many pieces of that puzzle are in place now and um with the most incredible person I've ever met, and and it it, it is making the rest of my existence <laughs> on earth so much more vibrant, so much more exciting. Everything's kind of got this element of that it the net. Everything's got an element that it could be. suppose everything now just okay right you know food just tastes that little bit better the Mm -hmm. sunsets just look that bit more amazing because you know that there's someone else there with you or you know you want to share it with that person and you matter all this kind of things for you watch a film together you feel it more because Mm. they're there with you know you know this but it's 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 corny but it's true and this thing of you know i think happiness is really associated to to love it's why you know, every great story written 
is about one of two things or, or a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. It's about love or power, right? It mm. always comes back to those two things on one level or another and often, often love and often a, or a combination of both. They really, really are at their core about those things because it is the thing that for whatever, it just drives us as human beings to understand it, to want it. It's why we have been writing poetry about it, painting pictures about it, telling stories about it, writing songs about it for centuries upon centuries upon centuries and we still have no fucking idea what it is and what it means and what we're all still grabbing at it going, what the hell does it, you know. it's And it's an incredible thing and I think that that, it cannot be ignored when having a conversation about what is happiness. I think it's it is probably at the core of that, and uh, you know, not just romantic love, but I think mainly romantic love. I think the other kinds of love to do with friendships and unconditional, like family kind of mm-hmm. love, um, which you know, <clears throat> maybe maybe you could call it unconditional love. I don't know if I totally believe that that's a thing, but the that is at the heart of so much of a conversation about happiness and what it means to be happy. And it's a big part of my life, a big part of my life because of my work. And mm. I spend all my time looking at what people are doing and why they're doing what they're doing um, and trying to understand it. And it always comes back to similar reasons at the end of the day. Um, and they're all selfish. Sorry. But they are. Um, I had an argument with my mum about that. I said when she asks me about my work and I was explaining to her like an acting class I'd been doing and trying to explain to the students that the stakes, what's at stake for your character mm-hmm. should always and will always come back to it being about them. I'm like, no, 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 I do things for you that are about you, not about me. I went, they're not, they're about you. Mm-hmm. And it took a long time for me like arguing about, no, think about it. you do something nice for me. It's not about me. At its core, at its absolute core, yeah. it's about you being a good mother. It sounds horrible. No, I get it. But it's but it's I but it's it, but, but it's think, but it's kind of true. And I actually think that that whether we know it or not is at the the heart again of this thing about happiness. We we have these things that are at stake for us as as people. Um, and yeah, we, definitely. We've we wanna. We're always trying to go. I am a good. I'm I'm a good human being. Yeah, even if you're just trying to do yourself it. Um, I completely agree. I think, yeah, the the whole, is there a selfless good deed? No. Because um, when you do good things for people, if you're what you'd consider a morally uh, together person, mm. when you do, and not a psychopath, I mm. suppose, would be the the <laughs> clinical definition, then you... I imagine endorphins rush and you have a spike in the hormones that make you feel good and and uh, yeah absolutely and that but that doesn't make it a bad thing as mm. that just makes it human. Yeah, and um, I had this brilliant moment once with a friend where I got a letter through the post. He opened it because that's what would happen in our flat. Uh, we just opened each other's mail, uh, and it was yeah. from like sports relief or something like that. And I donated like. 50 quid when I was in uni too one night and hadn't told him because we'd been watching it together and I clearly mm. just don't done it like text it in or whatever yeah, however yeah. you do it and uh, and he and he and I completely forgot to tell anyone about it and uh, and uh, and he got the letter and he was like oh you donated 50 quid to relief wow that's amazing you didn't even tell us I had to find it man that, and you like yeah. held me up in this high kind of 
esteem because I'd just done this thing and not told anyone about it. It was this like incredibly selfless act. Um, I just forgot I'd done it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I probably would have told someone. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I bring it up now to go, hey, I donated this money this time, <laughs> yeah. didn't tell anybody. But I'm telling everybody that I did it and didn't tell anyone yes. because it makes me then, look. Yeah. yeah, it makes me look even better. It's like a, you know, we we. I'm honest enough to sit here and say that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but the But it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean I don't think it means that it's a conscious decision that you go that it, you're not directly thinking all those things through at the time. You're not going, right, sport relief. I like that. I like sport. They seem like they're gonna need some of my money. Here's fifty quid. And also, even better than that, I get to tell people and everyone will think I'm great for doing that. Yeah. You probably just go, I'm moved by that. Yeah, I can spare fifty quid. And then when you actually do it, yeah, you your subconscious and all and the chemicals go reward for you. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah, and it's important to recognise that. Yeah, that yeah, it's that it's not me saying that all people that donate anything are yeah, yeah. purely out for themselves one hundred percent. It's not. We see someone in need and we go, of course we do. But there is always, it's it is that. It's like even if I don't tell anyone. I get to sit there and feel good about myself. Yeah, and feeling good is probably contagious as well. So it's not wrong. Either. I think if you uh, if you do something nice for your fiance, probably at home, where you would rather not do anything on a on a conscious level, you'd rather sit on the couch and do nothing. But you look over and she looks a bit sad, and you go, "Would you like a drink of uh, her favorite drink?" And so you'll make it for her mm. because consciously you go, "I would rather she was." happier than she is in this very moment. Mm. And I think that drink would make her slightly happier. But then you get a reward from it. doesn't mean that you wouldn't have done it anyway, but you will get a reward because your brain will then go, oh, the fact that she's now slightly happier is making me happier. Um, unless, again, you're a psychopath and you can't feel those feelings. Um Talking of my fiance, I actually have to send her a message and tell her something. Can I do that? Well, look, Ed, I think that probably wraps us up. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I actually really do have to send her a message. No, no, I think what you what you said uh, there is absolutely beautiful. I think you've given us a lot to think about. The readers will be thrilled. And uh, thanks very much for coming in. Is there anything you want to tell the world that you've not had the chance to? A jellyfish has four testicles, but no penis. Mm.